0: Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Guys, we are so blessed to have such an awesome kids' ministry. So, so blessed. All right, y'all ready for this? Good. Let's do this. So last fall, I was in my kitchen, and I was looking out the window, and I realized that there were these two trees in my yard. Now, to be clear, I had realized there were trees before, but they were—they looked different. They caught my attention, almost as if it was for the first time. Now, these two trees were not planted by my amazing husband, or my son that loves to work, or by myself. We've only owned this property for about two years. And so these trees were planted by someone long before us in that space, someone I'm not aware of who did the planting, who put the seeds in the ground. And I noticed these trees because it hit me that the day before, they looked completely different than they looked in that moment. The day before, I had looked out, and both trees, they're super similar in size. They're maybe, what, like six feet apart, eight feet apart. They're like little twinsy trees standing there in my yard. Really, really cute trees. I love them. But I noticed them because suddenly they were in contrast to one another. So yesterday they had been both green, and then overnight one of them's leaves had turned to purple. And this was in the fall, so it's not super unusual that leaves would change, Right? But what struck me is that they were changing at a different pace, even though they're the same tree planted at the same time, probably by the same hands, there they are in the same soil, and one of them is changing in the same season before the other. They're they're in contrast one to another. And church, I believe that we are in a season where there are some major contrast among people groups across the nations. And what's actually striking me as significant is how most people are seeing this as a really terrible thing. Friendships are ending overnight because suddenly someone has a contrasting view from them. People are leaving churches because suddenly they've seen a different opinion and so they just bail. They just uproot and they're gone. Or people are unfollowing one another because all of a sudden someone's gotten bold and their voice is contrasting against yours. We've all done it, we have all done it. Or there's this people shouting about someone else's contrasting viewpoint, their contrasting belief that they feel is wrong, but wanting their contrasting belief to be celebrated as if it's right. Now this is not a new phenomenon. I know friendships have been ending for millennial because of different viewpoints, right? Yes, we've all lost friendships because of a different viewpoint. Am I the only one? No. Okay. But I would say in confidence that there is an increase in the contrast and the division that's happening because of it. So one tree is green in my yard and one tree was purple last fall. And I thought, you know, can they still coexist? Can it be possible for both of them to still have a purpose here in my yard? Do I need to uproot one of them? Is one of them dead? Is one of them no longer going to provide shade for my boys when they play in my yard? And I felt like the Lord began to show me some incredible revelation about it. I began to feel that he was showing me that it was possible for those two trees to remain in the same soil. It was possible for those two trees to both be watered in that soil, even though they are side by side but contrasting one another. I began to show me that it actually wasn't a terrible thing, that they were in contrast. And looking at those two trees, I heard the Lord say just three words. And I wrote them down because I knew they would be important. He said, comparison, contrast, and contrarian. And so I said, Lord, you're going to need to expound. Because I feel like this might be a message and I need more than three words. And you know, I want to tell you, church, when the Lord speaks to you, and I promise you, he speaks to every single one of you. If you have a heart that is beating, if you have a mind that can think thoughts, the, the Lord is speaking to you. And so it's your job to just say, okay, God, expound for me. Show me more and more and more so that I know more than just in part. Because see, I wanted to know more than just the three words that God had for whatever he was trying to give me revelation to. And so over seven months, I began to ask the Lord, is there anything else? Is there anything else? And as he spoke, I would just write down, I'd text myself or write down revelation that he was giving me. And so here we are in a message, in a series about my two trees contrasting one another. See, I believe that the Lord wants us to see fully as he intends for us to see. One of my friends just came backstage and she said, God, give me a picture for you. I don't know exactly what it means. I'm going to have to ask him for more. And I just chuckled because I was like, that's exactly what I'm opening my message with. Like just asking, Lord, what, is, what else? What's the revelation? We see the picture, but what's the revelation? So good. So good. So today's message is titled Soil. Soil. And I feel like the Lord showed me a couple of really important things through those two trees. I believe He gave me a warning. He gave me a warning about what this church is not and a reminder of who we are. I believe He showed me that we are not tied up in comparison and we are not contrarians. And then I believe He showed me that we are meant to be in contrast. We are meant to be in contrast. The Lord showed me that. We are oaks of righteousness. Church 214, that's a promise for you. And, you know, God was so specific when he began to bring us this building. Do you realize he planted us in the heart of the city on Oak Street? This is our constant reminder. You forget, like, God, what are we? Oh, we're on Oak Street. We're oaks of righteousness. That is his constant reminder. He knows we can be short, short memory, short-minded. And so he's like, you are oaks. You are planted on Oak Street. And church, the Lord has shown me we are in a season of the Lord's immense favor. Immense favor of the Lord. So important. He took me to Isaiah 61 as I was pondering my two trees. And I just chuckled because it's um, titled The Year of the Lord's Favor. And I believe he is speaking this over us as a church. We are in the favor of the Lord and we are here for it. We are experiencing it and it is profound. So turn with me to Isaiah 61. We're going to go through this over the course of the next many minutes. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, amen, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. How significant, like Zion is right down the the corner from us, isn't it? (laughs) To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. They are a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Church, we are claiming that promise. This is the year of the Lord's favor, and we are planted here for the display of his splendor. You are an oak of righteousness. No matter what you did last night, you are planted here in the house of the Lord this morning to be set apart on display for the splendor of Jesus as an oak of righteousness. Verse 4 says they will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Now, you might not believe me when I say we're on display here, but trust me when I say we are. Um, One of my friends told me recently that he heard some feedback about 214 and word on the street is that we're a super progressive liberal church. (laughs) Hanging out with the cool crowd here on Oak Street. We're on display, that progressive liberal church. Hey, whatever it takes, get them in the door. So if you're here and you're progressive and you're liberal, welcome. (laughs) Hey, Chris shared last Sunday what this building used to be, so powerful, such a powerful moment. This building used to be called Club 307. Cool name, not a great atmosphere. It was a swingers club. Um, And that club devastated many families with a generational effect. You know, we actually have someone in this church whose spouse participated at Club 307, and it was a very significant part of the ruining of their marriage, the ruining of an individual, the ruining of a family. And I'll never forget the day my sisters and I and some of our team were in this building. We were painting the walls, and <clears throat> this individual showed up at the door and began to walk through the spaces of this church. And this individual said, I expected to walk into this place and feel such sadness and sorrow. I expected to feel the memory of what was ruined in our family. And instead, I feel the immense presence and favor of God in this place. And that individual began sewing in financially to the rebuilding of these walls. And we are literally rebuilding the damage that was done for generations on this foundation. I want you to look at these news stories from 2019 when we bought 307 Oak Street. This first one, I'm going to just put on my media voice here. I've never been in media. Let's see. Church takes over a building that used to be an adult swingers club. Okay, I'm going to use my real voice. That's super weird. Another one said, Church 214 contributing to revitalization of the warehouse district. I like that start better. That's good. Church 214 is soon to occupy a warehouse district building located at 307 Oak Street in Peoria. Well, this has gotten people talking. Yeah, no kidding. Since it used to be a meeting place for a swingers club until it closed in 2011. And then my handsome husband is quoted, "Certainly we knew that there was that history and we are much less concerned about what the will- the building has been and we are much more focused on what's going to be and that's really our sole focus." <clears throat> said Kip Bolt, leader at Church 214. It goes on to report, around the time the club closed, the leaders of Church 214 were at the beginning stages of envisioning the church, and they now want to be part of the mission to revitalize the area. That news is partially true, but there's also some false news in that narrative. See, because in 2011, when the club apparently closed, we had zero ideas that God was going to call us to plant a church on Oak Street and to replant us from where he had us. Zero ideas, right? The real news is that in 2011, we were serving in another ministry in another city, um, and we were helping rebuild the ruins of a handful of families in that ministry who had participated at Club 307. Church, you cannot make these storylines up. So you might be thinking, okay, cool, cool. What's the point, Heidi? So the point is, indeed, we are planted here on Oak Street as oaks of righteousness for the display of God's splendor. We are here to contrast what the world once was in this place. Let me assure you that Church 214 on 307 Oak Street is far greater than anything that took place at Club 307 because Jesus is an overcomer. We have the power here. Okay, let's jump back to Isaiah 61. Go to verse 5. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches, you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. I want you to notice the phrase double portion. Do you notice that he says it two times? Double portion, double portion, Okay. I just had to smile. Our executive pastor, Holly, she's my sister, and she said to me last week, she said, i got to tell you about this dream I had. It's crazy. She tells me the dream, and I said, you have to text me that because this is going in the message if you're okay with it. And she said, yeah, that's fine. Listen to what Holly texted me about her dream. She said, David Little was in the sanctuary at Oak Street. It must have been a Thursday night breakthrough or something because there was not a ton of people there. There were others, but not a significant amount. David was milling about the sanctuary like he would when he is preparing the sound for the band. He was carrying this tiny little baby in his hands. It seemed like a baby that would actually still be inside of a womb. You know, not fully grown, tiny, curled up, as if in a womb. And suddenly, he looked down and it began to shake. So he rushed it as fast as he could into the women's restroom and he started to run water over the baby in the sink. And as he did so, the baby multiplied into two babies. David stood there in amazement watching over these two babies. Holy wow. The Lord is truly putting his favor upon this sanctuary, upon this house. He is giving us a double portion. Now, you might be in the camp where you're like, you know, I think dreams are actually the result of eating funky street tacos. <laughs> you do you, boo. Um, I believe the opposite. I believe that the Lord is using dreams and visions with increase and in consistency to speak to the people of this church. And he's using it to give us revelation of what he's doing right here, right now, to make things clear, to make things known. You know, because I was saying to my husband the other day, I said, isn't it so gracious of God to create us these beings and then let us sleep for almost half of our life? Like, he's like, you do some hard work during the day and you go rest at night. Like, what a good father, right? And then he's like, but while you're resting, I'm going to keep speaking to you, okay? Thank you, Craig. You're so encouraging. Lord, I pray for a multiplication of the Craigs in this place. Let the encouragement rise. That might have been a word. Some mini baby Craigs are coming in the house. Alex, is that too awkward for you? Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Because they're married, they're practiced. Are we good? Okay, back to the word. Verse 8, for I the Lord, I love justice, I hate robbery, I hate wrongdoing, but in my faithfulness I will reward my people and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Church, we are reaping the rewards of God's faithfulness here. Verse 9, their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Have any of you noticed the freedom that has been in this house in 2022? Any of you? Do you know that people have started attending this church because of the freedom they've seen in our children? This is a true story. This is not fake news. Jason and Sylvie, is that right? You guys started attending this church and you're like, what is up with the kids? And Sylvie said, she's like, I'm a teacher. She's like, whatever's happening with those kids, I'm going to be in this house. Okay? So they drive from Bloomington like four times a week to come and be a part of what God's doing here. And they're planted. They're serving in youth, and they're serving in collective, and they're doing all the things because they just want to be in this house. Oh, and they're showing up on Thursday night for breakthrough because Sunday morning's not enough for them. But see, um There's something so specific about the fruit we're seeing. I want you to see right now, that it says that people will begin to acknowledge, to talk about your offspring. This first picture is a picture of my son, Crosley. Now, he's my descendant. He's 10 years old. I think he just had to leave to go fix media in kids' church. Um, But he is 10 years old, and this picture was taken last time I preached, um, right before I got up to preach. He was praying over me during worship. And then the second picture of him is him praying over some of the men of our church. Um, They're alongside Brennan. They're praying over some of the men of our church. And that day, he had prayed over, interestingly, he prayed over you, Craig. um, And he he came to me um, on the way to lunch, and he said, Mom, do you know what Mr. Craig needs healed of? And I said, I have no idea. I I didn't know Craig very well at the time. And I said, "I, I don't know, buddy. And he said, well, I know that whatever it is, he's getting healed, because when I laid my hand on his back to pray for him, I felt the Spirit of God come across his back like a strong wind. And he goes, I knew in that moment he was getting healed. And I was like, wow. So then Kraz got to tell Craig that story at lunch, and they got to have this moment, and um, Chris cried, probably, I don't know. <laughs> that, that, I'm so sorry, that was not a jab. I. I need more of your tears coming out of my eyes. But you guys, this is the fruit of 10 years of cultivating the soil of Crosley's heart. Okay, so he was born and we were cultivating the faith for bold prayers, like praying bold prayers over him. And this is the fruit of seven years of people coming alongside us to partner with the cultivation of his heart. For the soil to be ready here, for him to know how to pray bold prayers, how to lay hands on people and believe for healing, and then how to communicate, like, I think that guy just got healed. This next photo is a photo of Little Cross. You're going to see his long hair. I miss that long hair. This is one of the very first times that he offered to pray in kids' church with Miss Tay. She's there alongside him. She was his kids' pastor for the first, uh, like, seven years of his life, like, such a significant or seven years... um, that have just come. And um, she's helping cultivate that boldness. And so, this is the fruit that we are now seeing. It's not necessarily that it's a new presence of Jesus. Jesus' presence has been with us since the beginning. Even when we met at um, a tin can building where the acoustics were terrible, Jesus was still in the house, he was still there. But see, the soil was um, receiving the seed. For those children to become grown oaks of righteousness. To be planted and to become faithful in their belief. To be on display for the Lord's splendor. Verse 11. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow. So the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is exactly what we're experiencing here right now. Freedom in praise has been springing up. And for seven years, these little seeds that have been planted in this soil have been growing up. Now, seven years ago, we had an extreme season of fruitfulness in the marriages of this church, and we had babies coming out everywhere. Like, sprout, 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 sprout. There were sprouts everywhere. And it was like every week we'd come to church and someone new would be pregnant. Unbelievable. So all these babies born. And um, two of those babies... Were Kale Schaefer, our worship pastor's child, our encounter pastor's child. They're married. Don't. And um, one of them was um, our daughter, Collins. So we had Kale and Collins. And um, if you could so push positive. pause, okay. Can you hear this? That you're so patient with us. You're so faithful to us, even when we refuse sometimes, even when we can't see it, and we get frustrated with it. You see the end. You see it all. And you're just so patient. You're so kind. And of all the places in the universe that you created, that you could choose to be, to manifest your presence this morning, you're choosing here. significant thing about that is there were three-year-olds, but the voice that's coming over that video is our worship pastor, Phil, and he's he's talking about the presence of God that's in that place. And he's saying, God, of all the places you could have chosen to make yourself known, you've chosen here right now. And what that was doing is it was cultivating their faith. It was raising up those little three-year-olds in an environment of rich soil so that they would sense the presence of God because they've heard their pastors and their leaders and their parents Telling them of what the presence of God feels like. And so then this is a picture of Cale and Collins worshiping this January as almost six-year-olds. Look at that. That was our first worship service here on January. And the breakthrough that happened that night was so incredible. There was so much freedom. More freedom than we've ever experienced as a whole. Like there's been freedom in the front rows for all the years, but the freedom is trickling back to the front rows. So if you don't want any freedom, just scoop back. And if you want more freedom, scoop forward. That's how it works. But church, we have got to remain rooted in Christ because that's the soil where the righteousness and the praise is springing up in that fertile ground. We are literally planted here by the Lord for the display of his splendor. One thing I am sure of in 2022 is that he is not messing around with the favor that he will pour out upon us. We have seen it happen and more is coming. What we are seeing take place since January has been the harvest. Fruit from years of cultivating soil in this church family. And we are seeing the harvest be brought in. We are seeing increase. We are being allowed to be on display. And it is so critical that we steward his presence here, that we guard his presence, and we allow it to do whatever he wants in this place. We must constantly seek unity in order for the Lord to feel like he has the right to be on display here. We must love one another, not like the world loves, but evidenced by the contrast we have from the world. John 13, 34 said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Church, I have a warning for you. The world and many in the global church have confused love. The world has tried to relabel love. They've tried to redefine love. This is extremely dangerous. In how the world is labeling love. Because see, love was actually defined over 2,000 years ago. And it has not changed. Love is Jesus crucified on a cross for our sins and risen again. That is love. Many people are saying that if we love people, we have to accept their lifestyle of sin. The number one thing the Young Adults Ministry has given us feedback about is they need to know how to stand alone instead of how to have to accept a lifestyle of sin. They're like, we don't know how to do this. This is a big deal. See, the problem is if that is true love, accepting sin is true love, then the cross had zero purpose. Jesus could have just accepted us in our sin and skipped The brutal death. Too many people are crafting a theology that justifies their morality. That is not how it works if you are part of God's kingdom. Do not partner with the devil and curse the word. Jesus alone is love. And if we begin to redefine it, we are no longer on holy ground. The Lord showed me that we have to be cautious that we're not partnered with culture. We cannot accept sin as loving others. We cannot label it loving others by accepting a lifestyle of sin. I'm not just talking homosexuality. I'm talking all sorts of sin that we've got to be willing to lovingly encourage one another in. If you were to see it in me, you better be coming to me and pointing it out to me so that I can be having that uprooted out of my life and keeping the soil of my spirit healthy and ready for what God wants to plant next. So the Lord showed me some things that were not as a church. He said, you're not wrapped up in comparison. You're not allowed to label one sin wrong and one sin okay in the sake of trying to compare with the world. Sin is sin. Accepting sin because the world says that's how we love people. It's actually cheering on sin and we're not loving them we're hating their souls right into hell. As a church, we are not comparing ourselves with other churches. Now this might confuse you. You're like, "But wait, isn't that a good thing? Aren't they another tree planted right alongside us like our twinsy?" Yes, they are. But at day 1 of this church, we felt the Lord give us such clear vision for what this church needed to be, what this city needed for Church 214. And that vision has not shifted. The same vision he downloaded is the same vision that the root system is built upon. So see, if we had tried to emulate what we saw happening at, let's say, Northwoods, great church, loved many people there. If we tried to base our success off of what was success for them, we would completely have missed the mark for what God needed us to be. So we have to ask, like, well, can we still coexist? Like, if we have differences in opinions, if we have some contrast, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? See, we're both churches planted by God, but the fruit looks a little bit different. And that's okay. That is okay. But see, uh, comparison will compromise the anointing God has placed on you as an individual and on churches. We cannot compare what he is doing. But contrast can actually unify a vision. At the last teaching team meeting, I had submitted this series idea about trees and comparison and contrast. And I submitted it to Heather. And then we got to the meeting. And everyone opens up and shares what their ideas were. And interestingly, Chris had shared a very similar message titled Soil. And um, he's older, so his title went out. But I'm fine with that because I actually loved it. I was like, yes, this like, unifies the vision of what God gave me. See, that idea was that our environment matters. What we read matters. Who we hang out with matters. What we ingest matters. Our environment dictates the soil of our life. And so the Lord was speaking this very similar idea, both rooted in the same meaning, and it brought unity to the purpose. So unity is possible even with a contrasting idea. Like, it could have seemed like, well, I really want my idea to, you know, be the series. But it's like, no, this is unifying what God wants to say. And so I want to tell you that when he speaks, he confirms through people over and over. This week has just been a, like, total humor story. Like, every text I get is God going, confirmation, page four, confirmation, page seven, confirmation, verse in Mark, confirmation. Everything I have heard from my team this week is a thousand percent confirmation of what God wanted to speak today. Becca got up here on stage and prayed for production meeting, and she's prayed. and I was like, I could leave. You just preached the message. It was so spot on, and we've not talked about what I was going to preach about. But see, contrast in ideas, it's, it's powerful. It's important. Contrast can help define the lines of vision. Contrast can bring interest to art, right? Contrast can actually help enlarge a vision. How many times have you painted a small room a specific color to make it look bigger? All the men are like, what? It's a thing. But see, this week I heard the Spirit of the Lord say that there is an important difference between a contrasting perspective and a constant contrarian. And I did not know what he meant. I was like, oh boy, Lord, um... So I went back to my kitchen window, it was raining that day, and I looked out at the two trees that he originally spoke from. Sometimes you gotta go back to where the vision came from in order to recall and know what he's saying next. So I looked at those two trees. These are the two trees. They're hard to see because of all the trees in the woods, but it's this one right here. Okay, I was wrong, it's more than eight feet. And this one right here. Um, you can't really tell, but right now, as of this morning, this one is literally covered in white petals covered so much fruit is coming and this one is like sprinkled in fruit like there's still fruit it's just sprinkled but it's right there in the same soil and i I heard the lord say contrast to my word is the contrarian i said lord what do you mean about the contrarian he said go to the garden and my first thought was like oh gosh i don't have a garden I'm, i'm gonna get to that lord maybe next spring And then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, like the garden. Um, So I go to the Garden of Eden. And I realized that is where the contrarian acted out his own will, which contrasted the Father's word. See, the, the voice that was contrary to the healthy vision of God's literal breath in the garden and his design The contrarian comes to Eve, and he says, did God really say? And he brings confusion. He questions what was God-breathed vision. That was the contrarian. And I saw the Lord show me that the contrarian is rooted in a soil of self-righteousness. And I was like, God, is the enemy self-righteous? He said, yeah, he had a desire for self to be righteous. It's like, okay. like, He said, the enemy was unwilling to consent with my vision. So the first contrarian voice was in the Garden of Eden, and it was the serpent Satan. Now, there's an asterisk in my notes right here because I don't want you to miss this. Please hear my heart. I am not calling people with new ideas serpents or Satan. Okay? Just get that cleared up right now. However... We have to do a heart check for this church family. I would gently suggest that a constant contrarian is not a badge of honor. It's not a calling and it's not an appointment in the church of God. It's appointment with Lucifer himself. He was the constant contrarian. I believe that the contrarian is actually um, a character flaw, it's a blind spot. Uh, The constant contrarian is a heart condition. It's soil that is not healthy. The contrarian to God's word shrugs off the mantle of his anointing just as Satan did. Satan was anointed to be the director of worship in heaven. But in his self-righteousness, he wanted to be equal with God. So he shrugs off the anointing and in his self-righteousness tries to get a new one, and he completely loses the mantle. So in this church, if you ever feel like, man, I just feel like I'm called to be the contrarian voice, I would caution you strongly. You might be under the influence of the OG contrarian. He has been attacking the people of God and the voices of God from the beginning of time, and he is not going to stop. Have you ever noticed that most often if you're speaking with someone who's a contrarian, they start their statements off with something along the lines of, well, I hate to be the devil's advocate, but. Please hear me clearly. We're open to differing healthy viewpoints. We absolutely are. We are open to um, contrasting perspectives, but we do not have a need for a constant contrarian. So if you're always that voice disagreeing with the main vision, you might be planted in the wrong place. You might still be a tree. You you just might not be in the right soil. Or you might need a shift in your heart condition. You might not be a healthy contrast. You might be an unhealthy contrarian. So that contrarian spirit is always questioning God breathed vision. I just don't want you to miss the purpose of what God wants to do in this church because you have your own ideas of what you want him to do in this church. If you've got great ideas of what he should do in a church and they don't match this vision, we will bless you into what you are anointed to do if it is biblically based. Guys, this might seem harsh. You're like, wow, we started off a little more fun, got a little bit heavy. I get it. But I'm a mom. And sometimes moms have to have hard conversations with our kids. Sometimes the spiritual mamas of this house have to have conversations that aren't like fun and fluffy and lovely and beautiful. Okay? We cannot afford to partner with the contrarian spirit, go against the word of God. We cannot do it. Proverbs 29:18 says that when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Words alone will not discipline a servant. The words may be understood, but they are not heeded. There is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. The contrarian speaks without thinking. But God has been so faithful for seven years to speak the same word to so many pastors and so many people in this church to confirm exactly what the vision is and exactly what he's wanting to do. It has helped us build unity on this team. It has helped us understand God, how are you moving? And He he speaks and He confirms and He speaks and He confirms. It's been an important part of helping safeguard the root system here, helping keep the vision at the forefront. It's helped guard against these random rogue words that would try to come and infiltrate the purpose. Today was just another example where Chris had a vision and, and the word of what it would look like, and God had spoken to me, and it confirmed for both of us what he wanted to say in this season for this church. God's word always unifies people. This is one of my favorite passages. This is going to get happier, I promise. Ezekiel 47:12. This is beautiful. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. I love it that we're down here by the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Church, we are trees planted in the soil of God's house, fruit coming in every single season. But I want to ask you, are you bearing fruit in every season? I don't mean like having a baby every year. I mean, is the character of Christ coming out of you in every single season, no matter what's happening in culture? Is the fruit of Christ coming out of you? If it's not, you have to ask, why not? Why is the character of Christ not coming out in the fruit of my life? Because, see, when the soil of our soul is well tended, year after year, cultivating the ground pulling up the weeds, letting them be removed from the soil. That is where the character of Christ can be raised up within us. And that is when fruit can be produced quickly again and again and again. Fruit in every single season. Things that should take a full season of growth at least can become a harvest overnight. And in 2022, we've seen an expediting here at Church 214. I don't know if you've noticed it, but things that should have taken years to accomplish are just happening like in a week's time, in a month's time, overnight. It's been unbelievable. I heard the Lord say in January, as you testify, the miraculous will increase here. And I was like, come on, I'm going to start talking about it because I want to see more. Okay? So I'm going to testify to you of some of the things that we have seen happen so that your faith can be increased and maybe you'll get the next miracle. We have seen people, five family units that I can count today, starting the process of moving from other cities to Peoria to be a part of what God is doing here in this church. That is significant. We have had ministries literally spring up in a matter of weeks. Brand new ministries just coming up out of the ground like here it is. Ministry for 18 to 30-year-olds. You may have heard us talk about it. Collective. You're like, what is collective? What did I miss? I don't know. But see, it was such a quick spring up that we didn't even clue you all in. We just did it. We're just like, time to harvest. Let's go. I want to read to you, because this is so important, how God speaks. In January, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, and he, I knew he had a word, so I grabbed this journal that my husband gave me, and he I wrote it down because I knew it was going to be important. He said, I'm giving you a new assignment. It is for the raising up of a generation, sons and daughters, becoming fathers and mothers for the kingdom of God. It will spring up quickly. It's appointing of laborers and funding will be without ask, and therefore you will know it is me. This will take place in less time than one season. In this way, you will know it is me. And then I went back to bed and I slept really well. Then in February, on the 15th, I wrote, God is up to something. I have a meeting tonight with a group of people who want to come around me to help Church 214 start a young adults group. God, I see you all over this. Then March 7th, I wrote the word collective, a new ministry for 18 to 30-year-olds at Church 214. It will be sons and daughters becoming fathers and mothers for the kingdom of God spiritually. And then I recalled a dream I had years ago of a young woman in our church named Carson she was sitting at this large table and I realized Carson was representative of that age group that she's in now she wasn't in that age group when I had the dream she was in youth group being cultivated in the soil of faith and of healing and of righteousness to be on display for the 18 to 30 year olds right now and now Carson is in collective guys God does not mess around when he wants to speak Then on um, March 26th, I wrote Collective Launch Tonight. We had a great turnout, 24 young adults. God moved. I see his spirit all over this. We had 12 leaders step forward to serve. So God said, I'll raise up a generation, sons and daughters, becoming fathers and mothers for the kingdom of God. And he fulfilled by giving us that age group exactly. That's what's happening there. He also said it will spring up quickly in less time than one season. He fulfilled when he spoke in January and the ministry launched in March. He said, I will provide leaders and financing without you asking. Now, my job is to ask you all to serve. And let me tell you, it's not the easiest gig on the planet. I wish I had a different gig. Sometimes. I mean, like, as far as trying to get more people to serve. So if you want to serve, come see me. But he fulfilled when he began to send me leaders. People literally coming up to me saying, I heard you might start a young adults ministry. I was like, who in the heck told you? God's spirit was moving. They're like, we're in. We want to help. He fulfilled. He spoke. I will provide financing. You know, and I was like, okay, that's good because the budgets for 2022 have already been submitted. They've already been approved. Uh, Probably not going to go ask for funding. We launched Collective and the next morning in church, someone came up to me and said, House funding for Collective? Do you need any funding? And I was like, funny you should ask. We had a brief chat. This individual said, I will fund Collective in 2022. The check was in the account the next morning. so it was so clear that God was all over collective. It was all over him. But see, had we been trying to compare what we could offer the 18 to 30 year olds against what the world is offering them, we would have never launched because we would have felt like, oh, we're not really cool. We're not relevant. Exactly. We're not. We're going to offer them the exact opposite of what the world is offering them. And that's why it's going to be fruitful. We are in complete contrast to what the world is offering Parents, if we are not intentionally discipling our children towards Jesus, the culture will absolutely disciple them for us away from Jesus. Keep your children in church. Do not let sports become your idol above them. Do not let any other God take the place over what they are supposed to be experiencing here. We must know that we are meant to contrast the world As I close, I want to remind you of three thoughts today. Number one, comparison compromises the anointing of God's people. Number two, we are planted here to contrast the world. We are set apart. And number three, the contrarian is an assignment to confuse the words of the Lord. But God is being so faithful. He is fulfilling the words of Ezekiel that I read to you earlier. He is causing the fruit to come in this season and in every season at 2.14. Our hearts must remain in good soil. Jesus spoke in Mark 4 about a parable of a farmer sowing seed and the type of ground it fell upon. Mark 4:15. Some people are like seed along the path, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown into them. Others, like seed, sow on rocky places. They hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still, others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in to choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. We are seeing that. So how is the soil of your heart? Is it hard soil? Are you never even giving the seed a chance to grow? Are you immediately allowing Satan to come and take the word that was trying to be planted? Do you know this can be in the form of dishonor of the soil that you were planted in and that you were raised up in. That is the enemy stealing The word that was planted is when you dishonor the authorities that were before you, when you dishonor the soil that he had you in before. Children, hear me. Young adults, hear me. Adults, hear me. We cannot afford to dishonor our parents. It is a covenant by God. It is a commandment by God, rather, with a promise that it may go well for you. Let's bring back honor. Young adults, in collective we will be rooting for you to honor your parents. We will be rooting for you to be well established in your friendship and your respect of them. Is it rocky soil? Is it preventing seed from taking root? See, without root, you'll last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, you'll fall away quickly. Like, oh God, I have to contrast you? They're gonna think I'm hateful. You'll fall away. Last week, I was in the neighborhood moving a friend in to the neighborhood right next to me, and I noticed this tree in someone's front yard. It's sort of hard to see, but the windstorm had come through, and this massive tree was completely uprooted. But you'll notice there's literally no root system. So all it took was just a little bit of wind, a little bit of storm in life, a little bit of wind, and the tree was gone. It's a picture of what is happening to so many people who claim to follow Jesus. The world's gotten a little rocky in the last few years, right? A little bit rocky. We're feeling the rockiness. We're right there with you. But people are falling away quickly because of a poor root system. Or our weeds choking out the seed. Are you like seed that was sown among thorns and you, you hear the word, but then the worries of life take over and it chokes out the word and you're unfruitful? Or are you tending the heart in good soil? Are you like seed sown in good soil where you hear the word, you accept it, and you produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown into you? Last week, Chris spoke about a spirit of religion that's been identified over this region. We know it has been in existence. We are, we are aware of it. We know that part of our call is to be on display of God's glory and rebuke that demonic spirit, to cast it out, to send it out. I want you to listen to what my mom shared with Chris and Heather after that message and what she texted me later that day. This is significant. She said, when Chris was talking about a spirit of religion over the area, I thought back to our small church we attended 30, 40 years ago in that time frame we had a teacher she meant pastor they called him a teacher drive from indiana every week he said as he drove into the morton peoria area he felt a spirit of religion so we prayed against that spirit of religion over peoria our church was full of faith and we loved each other so dearly but over time we too became full of legalism and eventually we split over religious issues but in that church there were children They were being trained up in the ways of the Lord. They were learning faith daily. They were learning to love God and love his word. They were learning to trust him for everything. Church, those children became adults. And decades later, two of those children obeyed the voice of the Lord. And they helped launch this church, Church 214. Other children from that church are helping lead and serve in other churches in other areas. Mama Bennett. My mom is visiting my brother in Houston right now, so she's not here to hear this publicly, but she's my biggest fan on the planet, so I know she'll hear it on the podcast. And so, Mom, I honor the soil that you raised my siblings and me in. I say that every word you spoke was fertile ground and the faith you raised us up in was so healthy we are producing a harvest of 30 and 60 and 100 times what was sown how's the soil you're planted in follower of Jesus are you a striking contrast to what the world is offering or do you look exactly like them we cannot afford to be compared to the world. Because when we compare to the world, we will miss eternity. I want you all to get on your feet. We are going to let the praise spring up from within us of the good soil that he has planted us in here at Church 214. We are going to declare that the favor of God is upon every child and every family in this church and in this region. We are gonna declare that we see the breakthrough of the ground that we've taken over and literally rebuilt for generation after generation to come unless Jesus comes first. Because church, the favor of God is here. So Jesus, thank you that you are bringing in a great harvest that it's 30 and 60 and 100 times what was sown. Thank you, Jesus, that you know what you're doing here, that you've put us on display for your glory. We are with you, heart and soul. So do whatever you have in mind, oh God. We are with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.